Alrighty guys, boys and girls, welcome back to the Fiber Performance Podcast. Uh, today is episode number 14. I'm here with Maddie Leg, and we're here with Lucas from Ergogenic Health. We're going to be talking to you guys today about fat loss. We're going to be talking about some supplements that you guys need to check out that is just blowing up across all over the globe. Um, we're also going to be talking about some ingredients that um, have been around for a very long time but maybe don't get noticed as much these days because it is not a common keyword search anymore. So. We're going to be talking about some novel ingredients that are really good and um, also talking about some nootropics and some stacks and some things to put together just to get the most out of yourself, whether it's performance, um, you know, focus, you know, you want to be a better gamer. All these things are going to go towards helping you be better at you. So, um, Lucas, thanks for jumping on again with us and um, thanks for talking shop about all the cool stuff. Yeah, thanks, lads. I'm uh, yeah, super excited to be here. Awesome. So I'm just going to rip in straight away. I just want to I just want to touch on something that I've heard around the traps, um, and I know Lucas, you've heard of this too. Cregatine. Talk to me about cregatine and tell me what it is, and tell me why it is a better creatine than creatine monohydrate. Give me the lowdown, and give Maddie a lowdown too. I know he's keen. Yeah, sure. So um, as I'm sure both of you are familiar with, creatine monohydrate is by far the most well-studied form of creatine and has probably the most amount of robust scientific literature to support its claims. Um, and as I was looking into some of the ways in which we can actually increase creatine levels in the body, I came across its precursor, which is called GAA, guanadinoacetic acid. And a lot of the studies back in early 1990s they're looking at how GAA can increase levels of creatine in the brain and what they found was that GAA has was was far superior to creatine monohydrate at saturating levels of creatine in the brain then I came across a, a particular like product study where they were looking at the combination combining creatine monohydrate with GAA, and this form is called cregatine. And basically what they found was that this particular form led to um, an increase in skeletal muscle creatine levels 8.5 times more than creatine monohydrate itself. Wow. And the way in which they believe this works is through um, the difference between this creatine versus regular creatine, creatine monohydrate, is that this particular form has four ways to enter the cell, whereas regular creatine monohydrate only has that creatine transporter one. This way it can actually get through the cell through the taurine transporter, the GAP, the taurine receptor, GABA receptor, CT1 and passive diffusion. Um, so I was super blown away by this form when I, when I came across it. That is okay. Okay. Now, I didn't know what this trademark word was that you said. And now I'm really cranky. <laughs> no, do you, have you heard of it? No, not have I heard of it, but I invented a product using GAA <laughs> um, with creatine monohydrate oh. to actually saturate the brain with creatine. And we did a massive trial where we worked out that it could potentially be the cure for concussion, post-traumatic stress disorder. And we were on our way to doing trials with a football club in South America before doing a trial with FC Barcelona to work out how to fix concussion in soccer players. And we were going to do a trial with the American military on PTSD 
uh, which they believe was actually shell shock because of a concussion in the brain because lack of creatine and hydration in the brain. So you know to about which this. I know a fair bit about this thing, and this sounds a lot like what I was in the middle of doing um, over about 10 years ago before the FDA then went and said that GAA does not have grass certification and we can't actually use GAA. So then we had to abandon all the trials and not go forward. How it actually started was with the guys that were the main guys that got grass certification between, behind creatine monohydrate from the ISSN. We're trying to work out ways of building creatine in the brain, knowing that creatine doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier. The precursor for GAA, they were trialling with it, but it was having all sorts of side effects. And the side effects actually were based on the fact that to convert GAA to creatine, it actually has to be methylated. And so what was happening when they were supplementing big doses of GAA, it was depleting all the methylation cofactors, the folate, the B12, the semi, the trimethylglycine, betaine sort of stuff. So what we did is we combined the methylation cofactors back with the GAA because when they were using it without it, they were getting a big buildup of things like homocysteine, which was actually having a negative effect on brain creatine and circulation into the brain. So this is something I've done a lot of research <laughs> on and I'm sitting there listening going, hang on, wait, well, I had to stop this project and now I'm going to go and find out which buggers have gone on and if it's the same dudes... <laughs> that stopped my program because they told me GAAs, you're never going to be allowed to sell it. Oh. You may as well can the project. Let's just and get them on. It's like... Let's just get them on. And, and for anyone who's listening, we didn't stage this at no, all. <laughs> I'm sitting there just like, what the hell? I don't know what these trademark terms are. And now, wow. now I've got to find out who's behind it. If it's one of these people that were part of well, my trial. They're actually, they, they are based in, they're based in Serbia. And so oh, like one right. of the, um, not based in I tech. think there's like the top 10 professors in creatine. Um, one of the professors there is doing all the studies. They're doing studies now, like literally right now on basketball players. I don't know what the results are like, but they're doing studies. Oh, it, this well, form. it works so yeah. well. And so what happens is we know, as you mentioned earlier, creatine monohydrate, 100% um, bioavailability comes in easily fills up our skeletal muscle and heart muscle and everything like that but it never really got to the brain and when we use the GAA without the creatine monohydrate it would basically support creatine build up in the body so we almost had to saturate the body or load and do the creatine loading phases to fill up the body with as much creatine as possible so we had the GAA directed to the brain and then it just had to work with the methylation cofactors, the folate, the B12, the betaine. And that's how you build up creatine. I did a whole, like, a year of taking this as a supplement as well. And, man, I reckon it was amazing wow. for my head. Because I used to have a lot of um, old footy injuries and, uh, you know, like um, inner ear problems and bits and pieces like that. And I thought, oh, well, it can't hurt, might help. I also had a big theory with that same GAA and the hydration that it actually is one of the most important parts for our glymphatic system. So then what would happen at night as our brain's really hydrated, so at night when we're asleep, the big brain's full of water, but then as our glymphatic system fills up with water, it actually squishes the brain and run out of room in your head and then all the toxins get pushed into the glymphatic, which is like the drainage channels that clean your brain at night. So it keeps everything hydrated. I've just totally hijacked this thing with my own personal story. No, we love it. This is, oh, but my gosh. I was like, this is <laughs> well, something that we could have been doing right now. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So <laughs> in terms of like, is there any, is there any, um, is there any studies showing like in terms of like muscle gain, in terms of like percentages or numbers or strength gains from utilizing um, this 
creatine or this uh, GAA style of creatine? Is there any is there any um, numbers to go off there? I think they did a study looking at um, how this form could assist with lower, so it was lower body lower body muscle strength, mm-hmm. um, and and comparing it against up against creatine monohydrate, um, and it outperformed creatine monohydrate in terms of strength capacity. Um, but I think the other really interesting point to this is, um, as Matt said, so GAA is much more efficient at increasing brain creatine levels. Um, my subjective response when I first tried this product, the first week after trying it, um, the most obvious effect that I noticed was like insane vivid dreams, like ridiculously vivid dreams. I, I could remember and recall my dreams like to a T. Um, and that effect I noticed with like a range of other nootropics, like all the racetams, paracetam, phenyl, phenylparacetam, like I get that effect from those. Um, so for me, I'm like, and, and this, this company, like they're actually focusing most of their efforts and marketing efforts on the brain optimization aspect, on the nootropic effect of creatine, because, you know, as we're seeing now, we're seeing more and more studies suggesting that higher levels of creatine in the brain are associated with, um, you know, better cognitive function, executive functioning, stroke recovery, as Matt said. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, oh, look, I think it's an interesting combination and um, there could be scope, Matty. I mean, there's nothing stop. hopefully there's nothing stopping you from leveraging the ingredient again somehow. Well, well it sounds like a smart drug at the Must same time. Must be allowed to be. Yeah. I think there's only FDA that did it, I think, through Europe. Um, it's okay. So I think other parts of the world we could probably do it, but most of my contacts were coming out of America for those sort of things. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, if I was any sort of contact sport person, I would definitely be looking into it because I think this is probably our best way of preventing concussion and like long-term brain injuries from contact sport, you know, fighters, NFL, rugby league players, yeah, that yeah. Sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, that's super interesting. Well, that's opened up a can of worms, so that's great. Well, Perfect. Yeah. That's what we want. Um, now, going on from there, so some other novel ingredients or things that you've heard about around the traps or things that maybe have had some attention back in the day, but are maybe making a bit of a resurgence back to the top. Um, have you got anything else on the cards that you can give us the lowdown on, um, Lucas, that you've been looking into that you think is going to be a bit of a game changer in the supplement space? Well, the next one I think Matt probably is also familiar with, and it's caffeine's major metabolite, uh, paraxanthine. Mm, okay, give us a lowdown um, on that. Yeah, well, paraxanthine. Um, so, what most people don't really realize about caffeine um, is that there are three major metabolites. First one being paraxanthine. About eighty percent of caffeine is metabolized into paraxanthine in the body, and then theobromine and theophylline. Like they're the two other ones. So, there's three major ones: paraxanthine being um, the, the primary one. Now, if we administer um, paraxanthine like to humans, um, we see increases in all of the, we see all the beneficial effects of caffeine without the side effects. So it's increasing energy, alertness, focus, but minimizing the anxiety, the tachycardia, the restlessness, the irritability. um, And it also has a a shorter half-life, which means that, you know, people can probably potentially use this um, later in the afternoon without it severely affecting sleep quality. Um, so this new ingredient, paraxanthine, mm. um, I think it's going to be a hot, 
hot ingredient for 2023. Yeah, interesting. So it sounds like it's like the best of caffeine without all the the bad stuff that kind of well not the say bad stuff but the the less enjoyed part of you know having too many coffees in a day you kind of like getting rid of that stuff all of the excess baggage that comes along with having you know seven shots of coffee in a day is that right am i kind of on mm. the pathway then yeah yeah i mean the in addition to that the toxicity level of paraxanthine milligram per milligram compared to caffeine is much lower um but yeah essentially the I guess like the major functions and and roles that paraxanthine can fulfill is the effect on improving uh, reaction time, alertness, focus. Going to be huge in the gaming esports space. Mm. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Interesting. And it's the it's the theophylline and theobromine that have more of those vasoactive responses. Okay. So where the paraxanthine will have more of that effect on the catecholamine receptors or those arousal centers on the central nervous system they have less of the effect on the peripheral blood uh, blood supply which means you're less likely to get the flushing reactions and the fluttering reaction so the heart doesn't have to react as aggressively um, to the combination of vasodilation and peripheral vasoconstriction because mm. it's a weird one to dilate does peripheral vasodilation for the bigger arteries but then vasoconstricts in the smaller ones in case of injury and that confuses the heart and the nervous system a little bit which makes us feel a little bit fluttery and funny in the chest and yeah. that which is one of the side effects of caffeine interesting um and i noticed too a big trend with a lot of the coolest new ingredients that are coming out on the back of this last decade of research on the microbiome a lot of these derivatives. So we're starting to understand a little bit more about what makes one man's medicine uh, another man's poison and the fact that it's the conversion pathways. Now, your gut microbiome, your particular genetic expression, including your cytochrome P450 detox enzyme systems, all of that sort of stuff would be the variability between what gives someone results and the next person not getting the results. So now we've had this cool research where we can actually convert toxins or convert um, nutrients or convert things down specific pathways and actually identify the derivatives and work out what they do and make it a little bit more specific. I remember you talked with um, uh, Sean Wells on dihydroberberine. I thought that was really fascinating because I found with berberine, I use it a lot to stimulate bile flow and help the gallbladder go. I also use it to kill um, candidas and fungis and break up that biofilm. And then it's also got those other effects like metformin, you know, for the blood sugar control and that sort of thing. But I found the blood sugar control very variable when I use berberine. Some people get massive hypoglycemia. Some people have very effective blood sugar effects, but other people don't seem to notice that part of it at all. Um, so do you think, um, so I think that's where we're looking at these conversion pathways. And, and you were saying on that podcast that dihydroberberine is the one that's more specific for the blood sugar. And isn't it interesting that it's the derivative or the breakdown or the converted product from berberine by the microbiome. So some people just may not have the right bugs to create that conversion. And that's where I'm finding a lot of these really cool ingredients coming out now is ones that we're taking away that variability and making sure we're taking the specific compound that does the work instead of just allowing it to take, make its own, choose its own adventure. That's super, yeah. super interesting. I want to run a couple of ingredients by you, Lucas, and, and we can kind of elaborate. I, I wrote a little list before, which I was going through my phone just then just to try and find it. <laughs> but I wanted to, um, you 
everyone has heard of this one, um, but I wanted to talk about just a few. I'm just going to rattle them off and we can just elaborate. Um, Shizandra, uh, Astragalus, oak bark, pine bark, maca root, um, and ashwagandha, and noni fruit. So these things, like, these are just beautiful ingredients that I think are widely known across the world. Um, but are these things that you've used in the past and what have you noticed with this uh, this kind of um, supplement in, in the in the beginning? Like what's the, what are the go-tos here for you? I'm sure you've used astragalus before and what have you found it being so good for? Yeah, Shisandra, Shisandra is probably the one that pops out the most. Um, <clears throat> that was the one that I, probably one of the first adaptogenic herbs that I ever tried. It was actually actually after Maddie was talking about it. How I think at one stage you were using it for your race horses at some yeah. stage. I think. Yeah, and man, they did um, a eight hundred meter race at Improver Time by six lengths. It's crazy. It's like a ten percent improvement. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Shazandra definitely. It's the five flavor fruit, the five flavor berry. Traditional Chinese medicine swears by it for a range of disorders, um, improving liver function, kidney function, um, adrenal health, um, potentially affecting appetite, the spleen, uh, the immune system, like it ticks all the boxes. It's really one of nature's best adaptogenic herbs. Um, and also, interestingly, one of the pre-workouts, the famous pre-workout, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with, mm -hmm. Jacked 3D, Jack 3D, the pre-workout. Remember? Um, they actually used Shizandrol A, the alkaloid that's found in Shizandra. And I remember actually sourcing that Shizandrol A constituent and playing around with it. And um, yeah, that subjectively felt, definitely felt like mood brightening. And I'm, oh, I actually remember the day that I took it, I went to university. I went just went to class and I remember just like my personality changed because I was just more... Um, I guess like I was more witty and I was also laughing more so at just random little things compared to usual. Interesting. Interesting. Cassandra is one of the ways that it does a lot of those things is it supports the energetics of every system in the body. And one of the ways it does it, it actually recycles our metabolic waste. That's how it worked with the racehorses towards the end of the race. It actually, as they started to gas out, as they started to build up lactic acid and that sort of stuff, it's very good at driving that lactic acid back into the pyruvate pathway to be used as a source of fuel. So every cell of the body, it actually gets a little bit of it. It's almost like a turbo on an engine. You know, any of the un, unburnt fuel, it just drags it back through and then enhances the efficiency of that energy production pathway. And in doing so, stops the accumulation of the metabolic waste that gets in the way of our performance and our thinking. Yeah, right. And it's cool, hurt man. And a bit of um, respiratory acidosis yep. buffering as well. So you're not getting that build-up. Yeah, you're not yeah. getting that build-up. So, okay, so Shizandra. Um, and what about Astragalus? Um, I I knew this one back in the day is something that I would take if I wanted to, you know, just, um, you know, if there was people getting the flus or anything like you would have it before you got the flu um, to stop you from getting sick. It was like a I saw as an immunity um, herb, but I feel like it's so much more and maybe so much more on something else that it can help us out with a lot. So even into the microbiome type stuff. What do you know about astragalus? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think another point to add about astragalus, the unique effect. Um, so first of all, improving chi flow in the body um, and also which is like general energy movement around the body. And then also there was a, uh, well, there's the fact that it can, 
there was uh, one study, I think it was in rats, where it assisted an increased EPO production. Mm. Um, so in the production of red blood cells, which would explain why it's like a chi tonic. Mm. Um, and then also the longevity, the telomere extension properties, um, there's like a constituent, I can't, it's, it's astragalocide number four, I can't remember, I think that's, I think that's the one where it increases telomere length or something. Interesting. So longevity. Yeah. Um, Chinese use it for the upright chi. Um, so it works in Chinese medicine as a spleen tonic, which sits in the middle and controls your upright upright chi, which is your ability to stand tall, confidence, self-esteem, pride, reward, singing ability, which is why I sing like an angel these days. Um, <laughs> what are you laughing at? It's like smooth, velvety tones. You just sound funny through this microphone, don't worry. Um, on the inside, it's beautiful. <laughs> um, Astragalus, I always loved as well because old school, um, we always used to use it for any like viral infection that affected the heart. And it's interestingly works by protecting the heart from certain spike proteins and things as well, which I thought might be relevant today. Um, the Astragalus builds that um, spleen energy, which gets that lymphatic flowing as well. So it helps to stop for any prolapse or distension, abdominal bloating. Again, just picks everything up and helps it go and spreads that blood and gets the lymph moving. So all of those features together make it a wicked herb, like just a great, great tonic herb. That's interesting. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like uh, we, we have to touch on this because there's been this. I don't know why this has made a bit of a resurgence lately. I knew that back in the day, this was, you know, it was part of it was part of pre-workouts back in the day. It kind of fell off the bandwagon, I feel like, for a while there or whether I was just out of the loop. But citrulline, citrulline is something that I feel like has made a big resurgence and people are focusing on that more. I feel like beta alanine took the limelight for a long time there and now citrulline is making its way back to the surface. Um, I feel like this is pretty much a staple. When I look across the board at all the pre-workouts on the market, that citrulline is one of the main ingredients and things that are, and everyone has a different idea on dosages. Um, but citrulline, I feel like has, you know, become back to a staple for, for uh, many reasons. Why would some, why would one want to add extra citrulline into their diet? Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, citrulline, one of its major benefits and applications is acting as a, a nitric oxide increasing agent. Um, and it does this through affecting arginine metabolism. More It's much more effective than arginine supplementation to increase blood flow and circulation. But I think the other element, the other aspect to citrulline that's actually neglected um, is the fact that it can help to um, recycle and remove ammonia buildup in the body. Um, so this could be really common for athletes that are on a very, very high protein diet. Um, they're generating like a lot of ammonia um, and ammonia can also be, can also build up following extremely intense workouts, like very um, lactate inducing like, workouts smell them around the gym and that can, yeah, that that can lead to massive brain fog. I've noticed that, that like it's can contribute to um, neurotoxicities like that. Anger. Really high amounts of ammonia floating around, anger. and citrulline helps to eliminate that. Wow. Okay, so that's way more than what I expected. Oh no! So with ammonia, you know, it's the anger, especially angry teenage boys. You know, these guys that have this irrational anger, they can't control their moods, and that, and they stink like mouldy laundry. 
then you just go straight in and treat them for ammonia and just see they can become totally different kids. The amount of parents I used to bring their kids to me going, this kid's gone through puberty, he's turned into an ass. Yeah. And it's just like, no, man, you stink like ammonia. Like, we've got to sort out this energy production pathways. They're just growing and thriving and doing so much sport. Let's just support out their metabolic waste. Totally different kids. Interesting. Um, citrulline, I love, like you're saying before, citrulline is <laughs> actually shown to be twice as effective as arginine at increasing arginine levels which is fascinating to think that it could do it because arginine basically becomes a fate of its own in, uh, function. We're converting to nitric oxide in the gut and the liver and everything like that. So it never actually gets into the periphery where citrulline will go into the kidneys. But citrulline in more recent times I've realized is also looks like a bit of a, a priority switch between glutamine and arginine. So for example, if you're active, if you're stressed, if you're busy, citrulline will actually encourage peripheral vasodilation by converting through to arginine, which will help your sporting performance and your nootropic effects. But then when you're back into recovery mode, it'll actually flick the switch the other way and build up glutamine into your gut lining. Um, and then glutamine will build up and improve your gut wall integrity and heal you over. Some of my favorite studies on citrulline for people like you, James, was the fact that it showed that if you're traveling and stuff like that, and if you get an upset gut, you get less interference with your performance if you're supplementing with arginine. So if you get, you know, traveler's diarrhea or something like that, you can still perform well because it actually helps to preserve the glutamine in your gut wall during those sort of survival responses. So citrulline, I'm a big fan of. The one thing that's bugging me a little bit about citrulline is everyone wants to put it into pre-workouts, which it's Citrulline's better off used at a low dose regularly. So when you look at the studies, they can, you know, when they're using one or two or three grams of citrulline every day for a period of months, it has that accumulative effect where it works as that switch between the glutamine and that. But most people wanted to put it in a pre-workout where they want to see what it does in a once-off dose. So then what they do in the pre-workout studies is they jack up the dose to eight or nine grams to test its ability to work as a vasodilator in a pre-workout. Now, the problem with that is, is it's it's a kind of the wrong way of doing it because they can't get the doses high enough in a once-off dose for it to do with all of its functions. So you're better off with citrulline taking a little dose more often than you are taking a mega dose just once once or twice a week. Yeah, so like yeah. five days a week, like five days on? Yeah, five days, days a week, taking two or three grams of citrulline for five days a week, which will add up to your 10 to 15 grams of citrulline, is much better than taking an eight-gram dose of citrulline two or three times a week, mm. you know? Interesting. So, yeah. Well, another, well, on tacking on to talking about that, um, uh, maintaining that uh, glutamine in the in the gut lining. It just, I heard gut lining, and all I thought of, and I thought of you, Lucas, was AKK or Akkermansia. I want to talk about Akkermansia. Yeah. Tell me the latest, and I know this is a, a fairly, it, this is a super hot topic at the moment, and I know that, um, I know a very small amount about Akkermansia, and what I have heard, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but what I have heard, it's a gut lining modulator. It helps to basically recycle and repair that gut lining. Um, and if we can do that, we're decreasing the amount of things that are getting past the gut wall and into the bloodstream and creating all these inflammatory responses, um, all these autoimmunity responses, um, and basically trying to put a, a halt on um, the uh, those those things that might come up as symptoms like um, uh, psoriasis or oh, acne or all these things that kind of arise from there. But not only that, I've heard that we see in um, areas that have high levels of people living over 100 or centenarians or those blue zones that we talk about around the world, a commonality between all of them is they have high levels of acomansia and people that are typically are 
less well. Um, they have low levels of acromantia. So people like people like athletes, people that lift weights, people that are you know have a healthy diet, AKK is high. So tell me a bit about acromantia um, and if I'm on the mark or off the mark there. Yeah, it's completely on the mark. I mean, the as far as the applications and the, the research that's been conducted on acromantia so far. Um, what we know about it is that it's a gram-negative anaerobic um, mucus-degrading bacteria um, that actually helps to strengthen and fortify the like the gut wall, the gut lining. Um, so initial studies were looking at how acromantia can actually manipulate and modulate um, metabolic syndromes, so all the factors associated with metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, insulin resistance, um, and acromantia is a very beneficial bacteria that we now can introduce um, exogenously, like we can with, um, you know, like melatonin or other hormones, things like that. We can use acromantia orally, um, but there are other ways to actually stimulate the production of acromantia. And I'm sure there are a ton of herbs out there that would probably have that effect. It wouldn't surprise me if, like, pomegranate could stimulate acromantia. Um, Matt, you probably know this better than me here. <laughs> yeah, no, pomegranate does, the grape, pomace, all of those high polyphenols do it, but it's got to be there to a certain degree to stimulate its growth. It can often be at such a low level in some people after it's been eradicated. I found one of the interesting stats with acromantia as well as how many elite athletes that have high levels of it. And also, you know, when you mention it, how it feeds on the mucus, and often it'll feed on the carbon in the mucus. And the more, the way we increase carbon in our mucus is through exercise, burning fat, um, and all that sort of stuff. So it encourages those pathways. And then as it gets that extra carbonic acid in through that respiratory tract, that's actually one of the ways that we have a redox system where our microbiome can actually recycle our metabolic waste and again support the encouragement and conversion of metabolic waste back to peruvate and a source of fuel. So there's a lot of really cool stuff out of Acromantia. You've got to have the lifestyle and you've got to have the, um, the, the Acromantia spores or seeds in there for it to work though, yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I did hear along the, along the grapevine um, or dragon fruit vine, that dragon fruit uh, is amazing for feeding acromantia too. Yeah. So dragon fruit, inulin, like you mentioned. It's not really a vine though. Yeah, no, it's not. It's, it's like, like a cactus-y kind of. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and what else was there? There was a couple other things. Cordyceps. Yeah, cordyceps. Cordyceps. cordyceps was good for it too. Um, so, and that's, that's... I bet it. you we'd find out something like Shisandra. You know, oh, when we talk about respiratory acidosis. Yeah. I bet you if we did a research on Shisandra, we'd find it probably does something and supports the acromantia as well. And I think probably for the listeners here, the, the thing that, like, we go down all these little rabbit holes, but the thing that we're trying, trying to um, bring to the surface is things that you guys could implement into a daily lifestyle or routine that works well for you, and it may be using one of 10 of these things that is easy for you to do. You don't have to think about it. It doesn't cause you any more stress. It's like we talk about, you know, spending, getting some time to make sure you get down the beach. Like Matt has a routine of getting to the beach every morning for, for sunrise. You're getting out, you're getting sunlight, you're getting first first daylight which is good for sleeping well you know that night as well but these things shouldn't add more stress to your plate like if i know that i'm going into the float tank once a fortnight or once a month 
I shouldn't be so stressed out that that's an appointment that I have to get to that it stresses me out to the degree where mm. the float is negligible for me even going into it. So these things should be really easy for you to, you know, draw into your lifestyle. You probably want to feel this um, this feeling in your gut that draws you to want to try one of these things. And if it doesn't draw you enough, it's probably going to add more stress to your plate. And that's what we want to try and decrease because we live such a mm. chronically stressed life, which, you know, obviously decreases testosterone and then it increases all these other things that we don't want. So adding a few of these things into your lifestyle should be a seamless process to a degree. Maybe in the initial phases, it's a little bit more more um uh, a bit more friction but um when you, you'll find something that just works really well with you have you noticed anything that you've added into your um, and you test so many things out you're like your own little guinea pig lucas where you try all these things and i i don't condone testing things on guinea pigs guys so i'm just going to put that out there <laughs> but i'm a human guinea pig. yeah you can do it on yourself for sure but lucas is there any like maybe if there's anything that you've tried over the years, and I'm sure you've tried a ton of things that you've just like, yeah, that's a daily routine for you. That's a daily staple that I just love to do. Um, and it can be a supplement that you take on a daily basis that you just feel like makes you a better Lucas. That's what we're looking for. Well, um, for me, it's funny. The one supplement, the one herb that I take pretty much every single day now um, without fail is artichoke extract. Um, and I know it sounds really random, but it's 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 a it's a herb that I've just I don't know it just seems to tick all the boxes for me. Like it, it improves mental clarity, um, improves my stool quality, improves. Um, I've seen it affect my liver markers like positively. Um, it's a hepatotrophic restorative. You look at it in Chinese medicine, and they talk about it as like having zero contraindications, which means there's like. It's one of the most benign herbs. Um, so artichoke extract, the fact that it's also like a PDE4 inhibitor, um, some of the flavonoids present in there probably, again, probably going to favor better glucose metabolism. Yeah, that's one for me that I just right. seem to respond really well to. Right. Matt, have you had any... You would have seen that yesterday when we showed you that formula. That yeah. Sinara. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, because okay. it's a very good cholagog and choleretic, and I'm a very big one with bile flow and for some reason I've never seen so many people with problem with bile flow from all ages where these people just can't get their gallbladder to flow. and the importance of bile for maintaining the microbiome and stopping the overgrowth of the microbes up into the small intestine and especially things like any fungal and that but again by just be keeping that liver moving keeping those toxins moving through it. I love artichoke. Good one, man. That's a cracker. Yeah, I, I, I haven't really touched on that too much at all, so I'm, in, I'm so intrigued now. Nice plant-based one for you, too, yeah, after let's all go. that talk about honey and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and all the other bits and pieces. <laughs> Chicken heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Not for me. Uh, that's awesome. Oh, well, look, Lucas, I think we've touched on a bunch of really cool things. We've probably overloaded everyone with a bunch of sick information, you know, crossing back into things that were, you know, once really cool and novel, novel ingredients. And um, I, before we before we wrap this one up, I just want to quickly touch on, um, I've got two fantastic minds in the space of also fat loss. What, what are some things that if someone wanted to introduce a supplement into their regime, and I just hear the word, when I hear fat loss, I just hear carnitine. So tell me a little bit, what do you guys hear when you hear the word fat loss? What's something that, you know, might outdo that? Geez, I mean, now that you mentioned L-carnitine, now I'm getting excited by, like, what are the precursors of carnitine? Is GBB a precursor, Matt, of carnitine? Ah, uh, 
And carnitine's made through that glycine, so I can't remember all this shit now. Yeah. So there might be a, yeah. maybe, maybe a, um, a, a cregatine, a cregatine like yeah. carnitine somewhere there. But it's more to do I with think the it pathways is. it goes down because I mean, carnitine can be the fate of multiple pathways. So I mean, we want to, if we want carnitine yeah. to go down carnitine palmitol transferase pathway, that's the pathway that it stimulates the burn fat, then we need to keep it away from the trimethyl TMA pathway and the TMAO pathways just so we get more carnitine. And what's crazy about that, the things that do that are really cool. Gynostema, um, um, one of the funny interesting studies that showed it was sugar. So by actually combining carnitine with sugar, which is counter you know, counterintuitive when we want to do a fat burning campaign and burn more fat, but you can actually increase carnitine absorption and conversion to carnitine palmitol transferase pathways by feeding it sugar because the microbes that would normally feed on the carnitine and convert it are busy eating the sugar. And they just let the carnitine sneak straight through. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. Hey, but yeah, as far as precursors to carnitine, I don't know if it's as important as regulating the downstream effects because that's where it can get hijacked and taken down the wrong pathway. Mm, interesting. Yeah. That, that other, the other herb that you mentioned just then, the, the gynostema pentaphylum, which yep. is um, jagulin. Yep. It's a southern ginseng. Yeah. Like that, ginseng. I've actually yeah. recommended that to a number of like female athletes in combination with like for scolin extracts, which is a thyroid stimulant, um, and that combination there, and also with AMP, AMP Reach or AMP V back yeah. in the day, um, that combination there was like sensational. They drop, like they drop body weight within the first two weeks. Um, and jagulin is an incredible, like that gynostema. Um, there's some really cool studies on um, gynostema, but yeah, I'd say like, yeah, gynostema. Um, other fat loss agents, col yeah, coleus forscolin. Mm -hmm. Again, now I'm on the hunt for the next forscolin. Is, yeah. is there a precursor? Can we make forscolin better? Mm -hmm. Matt, we, no. have to, we have to pioneer this. Well, one of the challenges that we had with coleus forscolin is it directly stimulates cyclic AMP within the cells, and cyclic AMP will make the cell do more. Whatever that cell is, it'll do more of those things. Um, so again, it enhances metabolism there. The problem is, is your gut lining when you get a build up of cyclic AMP in your gut lining, it creates the runs, it makes mucus. So by the time we take a dose big enough of coleus to get into our, saturate our fat, subcutaneous fat tissue, you've got a mega dose and you've usually given yourself the green apple splatters before you get any kind of fat loss effect on your love handles, mm. which is why in the past life, I used to combine the two, where I'd take an oral coleus at the maximal dose that we can tolerate internally, but then I'd also do topical coleus into these, sub, uh, these fat creams that would target in towards the subcutaneous tissue, because coleus goes through the skin really, really well. There was a heap of data at one stage saying coleus also works as a tanning agent. Now, 10 years of selling really high dose coleus topical creams, I've never seen any of those tanning effects. So I don't know how that happens, but... That's yeah, coleus topically and orally is, is, was the only way I worked out how to get the doses prop, uh, high enough to be able to stimulate all the tissues of the body without ripping your guts apart. That's so interesting. <laughs> oh, well, that's cool. Well, I, I think we've, I think we've given, I think we've given so much cool information. And I, Lucas, I want to do this again very, very soon because I want to rip into a bunch of other stuff too. Um, I just want to make sure that we, we spread it out so people can digest this well. 
Well, we should make Lucas like one of our regular dudes, you know, Let's get a, the Incredivoy ingredients section. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mate, well, you should come on more. Yeah, come yeah. on all the time. Far out. We're doing it every week anyway. More time. So, yeah, come on any time. And if you've got, like, if you've got a bunch of cool stuff that you want to just... You know, give to the crowd, mate. Bring it on, bring it on, and we wanna we wanna hear about it yeah. too because we wanna be, as you said, if there's something that we can look into, we want to be innovating and disrupting the space as much as possible and, and creating the best freaking stuff ever, um, and sharing it with everyone too at the same time because, you know, if everyone's doing well, then everyone's doing well. I'm gonna show you some of the recipes of the stuff that's coming out soon, man. You will pee a little, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you will. It's it's so up your alley. It's like it's got your name written all over it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, Lucas, thanks so much for coming on to episode fourteen of the Fiber Performance Podcast. Um, if you guys want to find Lucas, you can go and visit him on his YouTube channel. Make sure you you like, you alert, and you subscribe. Lucas, what's your YouTube channel again? Uh, boost your biology. They can find me on YouTube there. Wicked, and uh, they can find you at ergogenic underscore health on Instagram? Yeah. Rock yeah. and roll. Awesome, guys. So if you want to see some more of Lucas's stuff and, and deep dive into all of the cool things that he does research and looks and looks up, make sure you go follow him there. Other than that, we're going to be signing out. Me and Maddie are off. We've got to go. I've got to go work out. And um, yeah, we'll be talking to you again soon, Lucas. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Sounds good, lads. Thanks for having me.